This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 115, The Money Operating System. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What it do, BTM tribe? We're back for another installment, another episode of the Before the Millions podcast. This is episode 115, and we have a doctor on the show today, Dr. Amanda Barrientes. Not only is Amanda a doctor, but she is a financial coach. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about our money operating system. This system is otherwise known as the vortex of space between your ears and the memories that this vortex has created and the instances in your life that has molded who you are today and what you think about money. So we're going to explore that system. We're going to take a look into that system. And we're going to take a deep dive and kind of look at some of the downloads that have just kind of been placed there subconsciously. And if the downloads don't serve you, we're going to tell you exactly how to remove it and what to replace those downloads with. Better, more conditioned mindset beliefs around money and your success. Now, Amanda started down this path when things in her life weren't adding up to the vision that she had set out for a perfect life in her eyes. Again, because of her downloads, because of her upbringing, because of the duties and the responsibilities that she believed genders needed to have. So on today's episode, you'll hear Amanda share her story about self-empowerment, about women empowerment, about gender roles. You'll also hear about infidelity and how Amanda stepped out on one of her previous relationships and just the cause and effect between her and her ex-husband. So all of these things that have happened in Amanda's life, all of these downloads, all of these experiences kind of are the things that have culminated her to start this business to help more people have better relationships, not only with their spouses, but also their relationship with money. A lot of these traits that we tend to have tend to pour over into other areas of our lives. And we'll talk about that on today's show. So so guys, this is going to be one of those more introspective episodes. But what's really interesting about this episode is, again, we're going to go over lots of different new habits you can start implementing to be financially savvy and to have better relationships overall. So before we get to the show, if you're a new subscriber, or you've been listening for a while and you just haven't gotten around to leaving a review, now is your chance. 
I'll be doing shout outs and I want to personally thank you for supporting the show. And it means way more than you know. Again, these reviews are our best way to show these podcast platforms like iTunes that we are a podcast with a force to be reckoned with, meaning that we need to be shown to more eyeballs because this tribe is growing and there's a lot of value that's provided on this podcast. And the more people that we can get to discover this platform, the more impact that we can have on this world. So for everyone who's already left a rating and review on the podcast, I thank you wholeheartedly. And for everyone who has yet to do that, please head over to your podcast directory and show us some love. Now, let's download some new money habits to our operating system. DeRay's Tip of the Week. Hey guys, a lot of us are starting our online businesses. A lot of us are starting our real estate businesses and we are becoming entrepreneurs and this transition is not a smooth one. So if you're having a hectic transition, if you're just living a hectic lifestyle in general, when you're a real estate professional, you're a real estate entrepreneur, or you're an aspiring entrepreneur, and you're trying to find the hours to completely leave your day job, or you're trying to find the time, or you're trying to focus, make sure that you're focused on the right things. Because again, there are a million things that we can all do in our businesses, but not everything that we can do in our business is super important. And not everything that we do in our business is going to push the needle for us, especially with our most important goals for the quarter and our most important goals for the year. So For this tip of the week, my advice is to start goal planning by the day, literally writing down your goals every day, going over your goals every week, and making sure that the tasks that you're pursuing are the number one tasks that are going to allow you to achieve your goals, whether it's a 90-day goal, a 60-day goal, one-year goal, a monthly goal, a weekly goal. You need to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward when you're performing tasks in such a limited time frame. Again, most of us were working with 10 hours after work, right? 10 hours a week after work, max. So with that time, you need to be as efficient as possible with the tasks that you're doing and making sure that those tasks line up with your 90-day goals. So One thing that I implement, if you guys head over to beforethemans.com forward slash 90X, that's 90X, you're going to find a goal planner that I use personally in my life. And this goal planner helps me just take all the clutter out of everything, really understand what are those one or two pivotal things that I need to do in my business today to make sure that I keep business moving forward, right? What are the two things that I need to accomplish today to make sure that I am actually doing things worthwhile in my business? Now, again, I can work on a ton of things in my business every single day, like the the list never ends. But in order for me to get to my 90-day goal, there are certain things that need to be done. And the more I track that progress, the better odds I have of getting to that goal. And what I use as a planner, I love to journal. I love to write something visceral. It's better than anything else I've ever experienced as far as goal setting in the mornings. So the journal that I use, again, is called a 90X planner. You can find that over at beforethemillions.com forward slash 90X. And at checkout, if you enter coupon code VMillions15, that's T-H-E-M-I-L-L-I-O-N-S 15, the number 1515, you will get 15% off of the journal that I have. And these journals are amazing. You guys know how much I love journals. It's a leather bound journal. It has so many different features. They just they just came out with a new one, the 2.0 Goal Planner. And it has a section for you to brand up. It also replaces your habit tracking app, which those apps are never really effective for me. But this actually gets it done for me. There's a section for daily wins and your notes. There's a section for less important tasks that don't directly correlate with your 90-day goal 
There's a weekly productivity tracker. There's amazing quotes from a ton of different philosophers. There's actually a water tracker that makes sure that you're drinking the right amount of water every single day. You can use this for home or office use. You could break down your daily goals. You could focus on long-term goal setting. You even have a section to where you could focus on your top five goals over the next 90 days and make sure that you're implementing something for those specific goals every single day. Now, what's really cool about this planner is you only fill out two pages a day. Now, I've had some to where it literally takes me a whole day to get through the planner. I have to fill it out in the morning and at night, and it's very frustrating. This is a very simple concept. There's not a whole lot to write, and it gets you to your goal as quickly as possible. So again, if you guys want to take advantage of such a system, you guys want to start writing down your goals. You want to, guys want to get clarity around what it is that you need to focus on in your business. Head over to beforethemains.com forward slash 90X and get your hands on this new goal planner. Again, we are halfway through the year. And I think that in order to make the second half just as good as the first half, if not better, you need to go ahead and start writing down your goals every single day and revisiting your goals in such a way that's visceral for you. Now, one thing I will say is that if you fell short of your goals the first quarter, that is perfectly fine. That happens to all of us. It happened to me a ton, and I'm sure I'll have an episode, a whole episode on it. But also the second quarter, if you fell short of your goal, nine times out of 10, if you fell short of your goal two quarters in a row, it's because you're not doing the proper tracking. And I'm super big on systems, guys. What gets measured gets managed. There's no way that you can lose weight and keep weight off if you're not measuring and managing the exercise that you're doing and if you're not measuring and managing the intake that you're having of food and calories, guys. It's super important, guys. That's where people mess up is they implement things, but then they don't measure and manage the results. This planner is going to help you do that. So head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash 90X and enter code the millions 15 at checkout for 15% off. Also guys, with that coupon code comes a ton of different stickers, which I don't think that this company offers without that coupon code. So you get a ton of different stickers and you'll get a brand new 90X goal planner pen that says trust the process. That's only with that coupon code. So again, that's before the millions.com forward slash 90X coupon code, the millions 15. Now let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. And guys, on today's show, we are speaking to Dr. Amanda Barrietes. Hey, Amanda, how's it going today? Hey there, Jure. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. How did I do with your last name? I want to say it again. Uh, you're close. It's, you're you're going to laugh. So I'm very whitewashed. So my grandfather, who is Native American and says that he's 100% Native American, says Barrientes. So I say it, Barrientes. Okay, Barrientes. <laughs> yeah, Got sometimes you. I just tell people to call me Amanda, Dr. B, Dr. A, any, you know, whatever works. You can there just we go. I like that. Okay, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, let's take it back in the time machine. Let's, let's get to know you, kind of figure out how you became what you are today. I mean, I've talked about you plenty in our intro. Take it back first. And how did you cultivate this, this career path and what got you started? Oh, yeah. I, I love sharing these stories because when I'm listening to podcasts, I feel like these stories are so inspiring to help other people see that there is a path out of survival mode and feeling like you're living a crappy life. <laughs> so for me, I was, you know, I was really stuck. I had always been a really good student. So obviously, you know, I have a PhD and you've got to work pretty hard for that. And I always enjoyed the path of education because it felt like there was a very clear trajectory and there was a defined path that you could follow and see the goal and get there. And I was good at that. But for some reason in my money world and my relationship world and my self-confidence world, I was struggling. 
So I was in a 15 year marriage and I actually met my ex-husband in high school and then we separated for a while and then we got back together in college and I got pregnant my sophomore year of college and I decided to drop out so I could stay home and raise our family and we had three kids and in that time, you know, I got married at 20. So I was really young. I had no idea what I was doing. We had all kinds of ups and downs in our relationship. We really loved each other and loved our kids, but we didn't know how to do relationship well at all. So I actually ended up having an affair, left my marriage, told him about it. We tried to work through it. Didn't work well. I had a lot of growth to do. He did too. We went on our own paths. And as my next relationship wasn't working, I was in the basement one day after my new partner was moving out. And I got this email from my ex-husband who I thought that we were having a lot of good repair work and getting along well. And he wrote me this email with the title that said boundaries. And in the email, he described how he didn't want me to interact with him anymore. And he wanted me to like drop the suitcases on the sidewalk when we exchanged the kids. And I was just devastated. You know, I thought, holy crap, I suck at relationships. <laughs> so I had this moment where I was on the floor crying and I was like, okay, screw it. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to figure out how to have a good relationship. And the really interesting thing was that because also at that time my boyfriend had just moved out, I was pretty financially strapped. I was in grad school, single mom, no child support. So I went on food stamps to start to feed my kids because I knew I need to get my PhD and get out of this financial crisis that I've gotten myself into. And so I, in that, I thought, I got to work on myself. I'm the common denominator here. What am I going to do to shift? So I turned to podcasts, actually. And I think that's why I love podcasts so much. It was free resources that I could access at all points in time. And, you know, I was a single mom grad student, so I was really busy. But I had a lot of commute time, and I had time cleaning the dishes and, and doing all those things. And so I would listen to podcasts after podcasts. And I started in the relationship world with podcasts, and that led me down the road to all these other ones. And at this relationship course, I was like very intimidated by the people around me who were wealthy because they were paying $5,500 for this course. And I had emailed the instructor and said, like, please let me in. I don't have any money. And he's like, nope, I don't do things for free. But if you have some skin in the game, come up with some money and then we'll talk about a work study. So I did that. I sold like furniture and I just begged, borrowed, pleaded. I was like, I got to be in that course. I know that this is my path. Like I just did everything I could think of. And I really had that. I call it the NFA mindset, which is you really are just dedicated, committed to your growth and know that you're responsible for your outcomes. And so I knew I had to be there. So so I got into this course, but I was really intimidated by the people around me thinking like, which people are these fantasy figures who have it all figured out and I don't and they're better than me. And we were doing this work and I started crying and he was, and we were talking about money and he asked me, well, where's wealth building on your value system? And I was like, what do you mean? You know, it wasn't there at all. And so I started to realize, oh, like, no wonder I'm not wealthy. I don't have wealth building as a value. I've literally never read one book about wealth building. I don't know anything about making money. I always just thought it was like people were born that way. And it was kind of like this magical thing that happened to people. <laughs> and I just didn't realize that my mindset was so stuck. And I had a lot of negative charges against wealthy people. You know, I thought, 
I was raised fundamentalist Christian. And so it was kind of like that idea of like money is the root of all evil. And then that switched into sociology, my PhD is in sociology. And in a lot of ways, we talk about the macro systems of oppression that's class-based. And so wealthy people kind of get pitted as the bad people in that model as well. And so I had a lot of negative thoughts about money and wealth. And I thought like, I teach people now, you, it's really hard to become what you hate subconsciously because you don't want to become what you hate. So if you have all these mindset beliefs about hating wealthy people, being afraid of money, thinking you're going to turn greedy and awful, you're going to dispel and push money away from you. And so that was my reality. And then I had this victim mindset where I was like, I'm poor me. I'm always going to be poor. There's nothing I can do about it. And so as I started doing this personal growth and development work, that all shifted. And I started to raise my value on wealth building. I started to read and focus on it and everything started to change. And, you know, so that was, that was really about two and a half years ago. So I was on food stamps and now I have a six figure business working my way toward a million. That is amazing. I'm so in love with your story and I have so many questions stemming from what you just told me. And I know the listeners are, are probably like enticed and ready to talk about some of these, these things that are going to help them in their journey and help them make more money and help them discover some of their habits that are, that are maybe holding them back. Because I think that, like you said, a lot of these things for us have been just kind of things that we've grown up with, things that we've come to know, things that we've come to accept without even realizing it on a conscious level. So when you started peeling back the onion and kind of taking it back, what were some of the things that you realized earlier on in your life that were making like these hard impressions on you? Like name maybe like a specific story that you remember like with your parents or something that had like a certain impression on you and that kind of lasted until you were able to come back and discover what that was and able to address that. Yeah, that's great. And I love that you're asking this. So in my money work I do with people, I have them all do what's called a money blueprint. So looking at those kind of core foundational belief systems that you have that have become so automatic that you don't even recognize they're there. So for me, I've done a lot of work around my money story and rewriting my money story. And one thing that I found out that was really, really powerful for me was that women are not as powerful as men at making money. And that was downloaded in this weird way where my mom and dad were both entrepreneurs. And in it, I saw my mom negatively because she was a house cleaner. And so she worked for all my wealthy friends cleaning houses. So I saw this in a negative way. You know, it was like stigmatized in my mind. And my dad was a real estate guy and ended up building a, a successful real estate company, but then had lots of ups and downs, right? So he's, I would call him a serial entrepreneur where he would create a business, it would fail. Here he, where he had this story operating where he, he still to this day works 20, you know, 18 hours a day to make the money he makes. So I got these downloads first of like, men's work is more important than women's work and makes more money than women's work, even though my mom has made hundreds of thousands of dollars by the really powerful relationship she's created being a personal assistant to a lot of different people that has ha she's had these lifelong relationships. And she's brilliant at what she does. And now as an adult, I get to talk to her and ask these questions like, you know, tell me why you love what you do. She loves organizing people's lives. She did her thing that she loves. And I saw it as a negative subordinated job and role. 
And so I really, and then the Christianity, the way that it was taught to me was really about women as being subordinate and they're not supposed to be the financial power of the house. And so then I stepped into a marriage where I, I replicated that story. And so right when, you know, we, I loved going to school and I probably, it would have been better for my ex-husband and I had I stayed because he really didn't like school, <laughs> but we both thought, well, he has the opportunity to make more money. So I dropped out, he stayed in, never finished. And then our financial life was very tumultuous. And so I kept operating from that story of like, men are supposed to be the breadwinners, men are more powerful. And so I've really had to take time to work to get through my block of that women cannot be powerful, multi-million dollar earners. And that has been a huge breakthrough for me. And now I meet all these amazing, powerful women, of course. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, rock <laughs> on, baby. <laughs> that, is that is amazing. And again, I think about these downloads and we're, we're going to get to a portion here to where we talk to the listeners and we walk the listeners through how they can start deleting some of these downloads. But I want to kind of take it back to some of the trials and tribulations you've had in your life. And I'm thankful that you were able to be open and share about, you know, the affair and the, the confidence and the other relationships. And do you think about holistically how each area of your life affects the other area? So like your money area, your confidence area, your relationship area, and when you're lacking or when you start to struggle in one area, it kind of brings down the other areas. Oh, so much packed into that question. I love it. <laughs> and I love, it's, it's so fascinating that I know you know a little bit about me, but probably not that much. And it's, I tie it together intersectionally and I talk about it as those three pillars and how much they interact and how you can't have one without the other because your self-worth is tied to your net worth. Your quality of your relationships is a mirror of your quality of your relationship to money because your relationship to money is actually a relationship. And you can kind of personify it and recognize if you have this really toxic relationship with money, it's likely that your relationships in your interpersonal world are also probably suffering and your relationship with yourself are too. So to me, they're so integrated and intersectional. And so I really coach from three pillars of thinking about personal power, win-win relationships and money mastery. Because when you have all three of those, it's like you have a magic want to create whatever you want in your life and business because as a master of yourself, you get to choose. What does wealth mean to me? Who do I want to relate to? How am I going to support you? Like, you know, on this podcast today, I think like, oh, I can't wait to bring value to the listeners. And I love being revealed about my story because if I can drop the shame of how I used to feel, I can teach others to empower themselves. And that's empowering to me. So it's this win-win ideology where I'm just like, oh, I love this. And I didn't used to feel that way. Believe me, I used to stroll through the grocery store and I would like literally walk back and forth three or four times and be like, which checkout person can I go to where I don't feel an immense amount of shame pulling out my food stamps card? <laughs> you know, and I used to turn red and sweat when I would talk about having an affair and I really hit it. And so there were so many things that I had to do. And, and really for me, it was, it's been interesting. I look at the trajectory of my life. And you know how things happen sometimes. And in the moment, you're like, what is going on here? Why does this suck so bad? And then later you go, thank you. I totally get why that happened now. And so now I have the mindset where I look at every challenge as a learning opportunity because I see that that's the way that the world works. I go, okay, universally, anytime there is a challenge in my, on my path, it's an opportunity for me to grow. 
And that mindset shift alone helps me to take on more and more challenges and understand that I just get to continually grow instead of going like, oh crap, poor me, complaining about it, which draws other complainers to me. You know, there's just these really simple mindset shifts. And when I say simple, it wasn't easy because it took me really until my late 30s. You know, I'm 41 and I was married for 15 years of fair poor, bankruptcy, up and down, all, you know, I have a history of, you know, really challenged childhood and all these different things. And now I look at it and I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because it makes me so able to connect with other people and help them reduce their shame. Because I think, I think shame is really toxic. It doesn't allow you to see all sides. And it's something that causes people to really hide their fears and then those fears amplify and then they're what's really happening is they're trying to come to the surface so you can face them and grow and evolve but if you hide it it tends to you know it's like i think that's why people get cancer and sick and all these things that happen it's a feedback system telling you you're out of alignment with your highest self and so for me when i started to have a lot of negative things happen in my late 30s i was like okay who's going to fix this other than me? And I started to tap into some of the knowledge on just on podcasts free, you know, and that's something I love for people listening. No matter what financial level you're at, if you are ready to change, there are resources available. Start with podcasts. You know, you can go from a podcast all the way to a $100,000 a year coach, but there's plenty of resources out there, but you've got to be ready to change. And to me, that's the first step. You got to all of a sudden go, I'm responsible for my outcome. I'm the one who has the power to change it. I love that. I love that so much. What point in your journey did you decide to get your PhD? And like, what was the urge in that arena for you? I love that question. <laughs> this is, you know, you're really helping me see that my path in an interesting way because the reason I decided to go back to school was because my ex-husband and I had, we made this business investment and we thought that it was a really good one. We did our homework, but it ended up being right around 2008 during the collapse of the economy. And the guy that we invested in had a long history of success and working with people. We called them, we checked in. We're like, oh, cool. We can give this guy our money to invest. We were doing, he, my ex-husband builds electric cars and we were going to do this import, you know, kind of a big thing. So we invested quite a bit of money. And at the time he ended up developing a gambling problem and spent our money along with two and a half million dollars of other people's money gone. And so we foreclosed, we went bankrupt. Like we were, you know, at the time we didn't have a huge savings and we kind of went all in. And so that was a very critical moment for me where I was like, okay, I'm relying on my husband for income. I have all these skills and tools, but I feel very out of control of my financial reality. And I saw education as the way out. So I was like, I got to go get a degree. At the time, I hadn't finished my bachelor's even. So I thought, if I go get a degree, at least I'll have something to work with. And so then that was when I re-enrolled in school and went back, which is pretty rare. You know, I was 31 when I went back to finish my bachelor's. And then I was planning to go to get my master's in social work. And I had a, a professor who asked me to come to her office. And she's like, you know, you're a really good writer. And have you ever thought about being a professor? And I was like, I'm a first-gen student. I was like, no, I don't even know what that would look like. <laughs> and so, you know, she kind of started planting the seeds. And I was like, cool, that sounds, you know, a lot of it sounds really amazing. So I started in that direction. And in grad school, I learned that I love teaching. I had the blessing of being able to teach 2,000 students at CU Boulder. And 
I just was like, I got over a lot of my social anxiety. I mean, I used to really be a person who like in a group of like five people. And if I felt intimidated by them in any way, I would like sweat and like turn red. And like afterwards I would just beat myself up and be like, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Do they think I'm stupid? Did I say too much? You know, I just was like very, very struggled with low self-confidence. And so I started as the teaching arena because I was in the position of authority. I started to develop the ability to be like, oh, I actually can like talk in a group and I feel good about myself. And so that helped with some of that. And then we had our specific program had a lot of departmental fallout is what I guess I could call it. And I really started to see for me that in sociology, we focused a lot on the problems and not the solutions. So we're teaching about the social problems, which is important to know. But I really, as I started stepping into doing coaching work with my, for myself, I was like, people don't have these skills. Like I'm at a PhD level and people don't have regular life skills that are essential to thrive. So like people don't learn self-confidence. People don't learn how to have successful relationships. People don't learn money 101. And I just thought, you know, I could take all these skills that I'm learning, step out of this pretty stressful environment in the academic world that, you know, I saw my colleagues applying for a hundred jobs and getting a couple of offers that were not very high paying And I was like, I don't want that reality, you know? And so I decided like, screw it. I'm going to go for it. I want to be a coach. And I just started taking steps strategically as I finished writing my dissertation, which was also, you know, a huge learning opportunity for me. That was amazing. I ended up doing life history interviews with incarcerated men and to understand their stories of transformation. They had spent on average 18 years incarcerated and were gang involved they were in a program that was focused on rehabilitation. And so my focus was like, why don't we have more rehabilitation programs for men in these situations? Because I focused on their history of trauma instead of highlighting them as violent perpetrators. Oh, wow. That is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. So I kind of want to take this conversation a little bit of a different direction. I want to talk about the fact that there are three categories that you focus on. Yes. And we're going to take a deep dive into money here in a little bit, but I want to touch on the first two before we do that. Right. So okay. and maybe give give the listeners like a one liner when it comes to confidence. Like if there's a biggest piece of advice or something that is on your you know, on your heart to like lay out to the listeners right now when it comes to self-confidence and how they can improve in that area and why that area is even important to improve on so that the other areas can flourish. What would that be? I'll tell you this, and it's the simplest thing. It's in my definition of self-confidence, which is to know, love, and trust yourself and do whatever it takes to do that. Because when you know yourself, it means you know what you like, you know what you want to do in the world, you know your value system, you know like what makes me get out of bed in the morning and feel inspired to be alive because that's how you get to have the impact on the world that you want to have. And I think we're all born for that. I think we all have inner genius just waiting to be expressed in the world to make it a better place. So it's to know, love, and trust yourself. And when you love yourself, you embrace all sides of yourself. You don't beat part of yourself up and then love the parts that everyone else loves. You love all sides of yourself. So work for that. And then in trusting yourself, you have the trust that no matter what happens, you have the ability to overcome where you go, okay, challenges are going to happen. Failure is going to happen. And it's all an opportunity for me to grow and learn more about myself and do better. 
I could keep going, but that's no, what I, I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. So let's do the same thing for relationships. So let's talk about relationships and why relationships are so important. And maybe like the one biggest single thing that we can do to improve our relationships on a daily basis. Relationships to me. So as a sociologist, you know, my, all my training is really in social sciences, human behavior, that kind of stuff. And really thinking about interconnectedness is the way that I accessed that work. It was like relationships are the primary foundation of success, happiness, longevity, immunity, wealth building. You know, it's like if your relationships are suffering, you're going to have a hard time because we're social beings. You know, there's a lot of really great research now to show that if you have high quality relationships and it doesn't have to be an intimate relationship, like a physically intimate relationship, intimate connections with other people, high quality conversations, people that you can rely on. If you have that in your life, you're so much more likely to, to feel fulfilled and fulfillment is different for everyone. You know, it doesn't mean everyone needs $8 million in the bank or you know, fancy house or any of those things. It could be that you live a very simple life, but you have high quality relationships and you will feel you'll live longer. You'll experience less depression. You know, so to me, I look at relationships as an essential skill to have a platform for a thriving life and business and partnerships and everything, you know? So it's like, I see that. And then you're not going to have that unless you have that personal power piece where you're like, okay, I know myself, I love myself, and I'm going to draw people to me who are the same as me instead of drawing people who are going to take advantage of you and, you know, all these other things that happen when we're not empowered in ourselves. One thing people can do for relationships, I mean, honestly, Dre, it really has to do with your value system. And when I talk about value system, it's like what you focus on and do every day in a consistent way, what you're driven to do on your own volition without anyone asking you to do it. If you are someone who's suffering in relationships, shift your focus to relationships and becoming a master of yourself in relationships. So, I mean, I have people come to me and say, my relationships suck. I don't know how to do this. I don't know who that I'm like, okay, like, let's ask how many relationship books have you read this year? Zero. How many have you read in the last five years? Zero. <laughs> I'm like, well, why do you expect to be good at it? You know, like most people do not wake up good at relationships, especially if they had models from their families that were not, you know, functional, thriving relationships. And that's okay. Don't beat yourself up and don't think I can never get there. Just think like, okay, how can I get there? And start looking at the people who have high quality relationships and doing what they do. So don't get stuck in this mindset of like, I'm never going to be able to be good at relationships. Think, how can I be good at relationships? And what would a master at relationships do? And start doing that just on this, you know, start listening to relationship podcasts. That's where I started. And it was amazing. I started to see it show up in my life and shift every relationship. My ex-husband and I are dear friends. He comes over to our house for dinner. We have family holidays. You know, it's like we healed from a really intense things that have happened. And it's great. And seven years ago, I would have never thought that was possible. I love that. I love that. And I love the exercise that you walk us through. I first heard about that exercise in the Robert Kiyosaki book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, a few years ago, when, I mean, you can practice this exercise with literally any area of your life, but you know, you were specifically talking about relationships. Whenever you put a can't or whenever you put a full stop, like a period at the end of a sentence, I mean, you, you literally shut down your brain from thinking of any possibility of any solution. But as soon yeah. as you 
question, like your brain just goes to work and tries to figure out, well, what is the best solution for this question? As opposed to, well, there is no solution. I'm just going to shut down. And yeah. if you, every area of your life, including relationships, I think will be all the better for it. Just having that mindset, like, Hey, like how can I pose this as a question so that I can start working towards an answer, even at a subconscious level, you're going to start figuring out an answer because it's a question. So I love that. Now, before we get to some money habits, I want to talk about habits in general and when and why you discovered that habits played a big role in our overall success. And also, this is a two-part question. And also, when you decided that it was your duty and obligation to start teaching this to other people. Okay. I'm writing it down in case I, <laughs> I get, I get so, you know, like into having these conversations, I'm like, Oh wait, what'd you ask? <laughs> Habits and overall success. I would say, wow. You know why? Because you can go to a very beautiful lake and you can sit and meditate and pray all day for great things to happen. But if you don't take action, nothing's going to happen yet. If you're all in action, but you're not conscious about taking strategic action, you're, you might not get where you want to go either. You, it's more likely than just sitting and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But to me, habits is a beautiful approach and a coupling of mindset. And I think of mindset as a habit, right? The thoughts that you habitually think on a regular basis are either setting you up for success or failure because you become your thoughts. Your outer world is an expression of your inner world. So if you're sitting there beating yourself up all day, it's likely that you're going to draw people to you to confirm that you're not good enough, not smart enough, not rich enough, all these things. So your mindset matters and it's a habit, right? And then you've got to take action. And then you take action to where those, the research talks a lot about it as automatic habits. And what you want is to have automatic habits that are setting you up for success. So if you have automatic habits that are setting you up for failure, then you have to have a period of time where you redirect your focus strategically. And I call it strategic habits. You set up a foundation of strategic habits that then become automatic. And then that's when you're like, yes, I really get to thrive because, you know, for me, people kind of laugh at me. They're like, you are so ritualistic and habitual. I'm like, yeah, because I'm setting myself up for success. Like I do the same things every day and I do this and I do this and I do this when it sets me up. Of course I have. And then I'll have like structured in like fun, free play time where I get to just brainstorm and, and not follow those ritualistic patterns. But the reason I can get so much done and do what I do in life is because of those strategic habits. So to me, habits are the foundation of really everything in life and, and they're possible to shift. So I really like that possibility solutions focus. It's where I'm always going in my mind. I'm like, what's the solution here? What's a, how can I help people faster? How can I help people shift out of this the quickest and get where they want to go? It's always coupled with mindset and, and action. And that's a habit. And so that part I love. You said, oh, see, I didn't write it all the way down. You asked about duty. So, so the, the question that I'm posing for you now is, you've seen that there are a ton of podcasts out there and you recommend them like you love them. You've heard them and you cherish them and you, their YouTube channels and their books and there's so many resources. When and why did you decide to come out with your resource and what made oh, gotcha. you have that? What made you have that? Like, hmm, there's something missing in the marketplace and I want to serve that. How did this happen for you? You know, 
I think for me, it was a combination of so many things like learning how much I love to teach and watching the light bulb go off in people's mind when they have a perceptual shift and get to transform themselves is so powerful. So I got to have that in teaching in university. But then when I got to start coaching and really coming up with for solutions with people, it is probably like my greatest joy in life. You know, when you help someone have a breakthrough and figure out the human puzzle and their specific human puzzle to where they have like one perceptual shift, they cry and then they're like hit the ground running and then they they get until they go to the next bump or jump, you know, where they're going to learn a new lesson. But it's like that moment to me is what I was born for. You know, I just go, I want I was born to share my wisdom and my knowledge and I, you know, overcoming the self-confidence problem has been really huge because I look at almost as when we're people get really afraid to share their message and people are charged by the word narcissism. And I go, you know, okay, let's look at it this way. You are actually being selfishly narcissistic if you can't get over yourself to share your message and your meaning. And so let's work on that because I think everybody wants to connect through sharing what they know and what they love. And so the more that I get to do this work and the more I work with people, it's like it brings tears. I have moments like weeks, some often daily, for sure weekly, where I like have inspirational tears of joy when I'm working with someone. I'm just like, yes, they had a breakthrough that they needed to have so they could thrive. That is just pure bliss to me. I love it. And I can so relate. I have certain days, you know, that it's just like, I don't feel like getting out of bed or I don't feel like doing stuff or I'm not prepared or mentally something just happened in a different business. So now I'm just like, uh, my mind is on this. And sometimes I just don't want to show up or I'm not ready, you know? And then I think about all of these fears and all of these things going on in my outer world and it's all negating from what I can provide and what I can offer. So I think you said it perfectly before we got on this call, or maybe I think you may have said it on this call. And then you just reiterated that same line of thinking. But when you approach any of these situations with how can I add value? How can I do more for the other party? How can I you know, show up to make sure that this person gets to their goal? It's a total different you know, paradigm shift. Like it's like you immediately get excited. You immediately get happy. Like everything that you're worried about, you're like, forget about that. Like this is meaningful. This is powerful. So I totally get that. So this is really, really good stuff. And I'm Dr. B, this is amazing. I'm loving every single part of this. Now I want to get to what the listeners have been waiting for, which is our habits around money. And, you know, we've certainly covered our habits around money a little bit throughout the show. And so I don't want to spend too much time talking about the habits that we've already formed, because we know that there are a lot of things that have been downloaded. There are a lot of embedded habits. I want to get straight to the habits that we could form now to get out of those habits so that we can have a better tomorrow. And I know that you have a resource coming out and I don't want to spoil it if you don't want me to, but I know that you have a resource coming out and we may have well over 65 habits. It's a course, right? Yeah. Yep. An yeah. online course. Yeah. Your online course. You, so, I mean, we're just going to touch on, we're going to, I mean, I'm going to try to get us to touch on as many as I can, guys. I'm not promising you guys anything, but we'll <laughs> see how many we can get in for this episode. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Dr. B, and let's talk about some of these habits that we can start to utilize to delete some of these downloads. Yeah. I love it. You know, I'll, I'll go with right now off the top of my head. So this course is going to have so many different things because money is, you know, if you think about it, when you're sitting at dinner with a group of people, 
they will talk about how poor they are, how much they're struggling, but then they won't talk about the places they're blocked, what they're afraid of, or sometimes what how they're successful in certain ways. Money tends to be this topic that brings up so much shame, like sex. You know, it's like these two topics people really struggle with because it's embedded with histories, sometimes intergenerationally, of shame, fear, void, guilt, all these things. So to me, first, work on your mindset. Work on your money mindset. And your money mindset has to do with your beliefs around what wealth is. So I'll give people, I'll give listeners, you you call everyone the BTM tribe. I'll give the BTM tribe a really simple practice to even just start to raise your consciousness and your clarity around it. So it's really important with money to start to understand what the unconscious drivers are because once you get that, you can shift things. But if you're operating on this unconscious level, you're going to have all kinds of messy stuff come up to help you try to bring it conscious. So get conscious. And one way to do that is to write, get it a journal or even just a piece of paper and write down wealthy people are blank. And just let your brain flow. Like, is it wealthy people are greedy? Wealthy people are jerks. Wealthy people are this, that. What For some people, it might be wealthy people are fantasy figures. Wealthy people are amazing. Wealthy people are philanthropic. I don't know what it is for you, but I've noticed when I do this, just this one question with people and they start to see what their belief system is around wealth and wealthy people, they're like, oh, wow. I didn't really ever stop to be so clear about what I think about wealthy people. And again, like I said at the beginning, you can't, it's really hard to become what you hate. So if you dislike wealthy people or wealth in and of itself, it's going to be very challenging. So mindset is huge in this, and this will help you shift your mindset. So the first one is really just getting out a piece of paper and writing down your thoughts about wealth. Totally. And, you know, we've covered on this show and even in previous shows, we've covered many times about how our parents and our environment and our teachers and our siblings and the news have formed, you know, what we believe is possible and what wealth is. And I don't think I've touched on it yet, but I I do know that even in the media, right, business people, like I think in like, I I forgot the statistic, but like in 80% of movies, like they're always made out to be the villain. Like being wealthy is bad. Like you think about all of the prominent business shows and business people are always the villains. And it's, this has gone back since the beginning of like cinema, right? So Um, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And we have to break out of that mindset. So the first thing that you want us to do is get out a piece of paper and write down our beliefs about wealth. Okay. Got it. I love it. And I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback after off of what you just said. The second one I want people to do is do research on five wealthy people who have changed the world. Spend an hour looking up the people who have changed the world, because here's the thing, the more money you have, the more impact you can have. So money is an amplifier of who you already are. If you're a total jerk and you have millions of dollars, yeah, you might become more of a jerk. But if you're an amazing person who wants to make a huge impact in the world and do great things, your money will give you more ability to do that. And so, you know, I think we get stuck. I think I've noticed the people I work with get the charges more on the end of thinking that I'm going to become a jerk when I'm wealthy. And so getting rid of that belief system is very powerful. So, you know, writing down first wealthy people are and understanding what your belief system is and then turning it around and really looking at how wealth has the power to transform the world in positive ways and stop focusing on like what you're saying, like in the movies, when we look at all the bad things happening, it's wealthy people too. So we have this download constantly where we're like, it's subliminally, not even subliminally, it's like being directly 
told to us that wealthy people are bad and shown to us. And sure, we're like, oh, they're in the movies. But then we start to believe that that's true. And so those two exercises coupled are very, very powerful. I love that. So number one, write down your beliefs about wealth and figure out what they are so that we can change them. Number two, research wealthy people and just learn to be in that, I guess, in that environment and and become per se like, you know, when you're reading about these things, I guess a lot of the times we're looking at ourselves as those figures and we're looking to those figures for aspiration. So I love that. Now, when it comes to wealth, do you believe that we have a thermostat for where we are and where we operate and no matter what we're always going to work our way back up or back down to that thermostat. If you do believe that, how can we start to increase the temperature on that thermostat so that we can make more money? That's awesome. I love it. And yes, absolutely. I think that people get, they, we have a set thermostat that we get to like, I'll have, I had this really wild working with this woman who had a multi-million dollar business and she kept going, I want to get it to 20 million, but she would get to 13 and self-sabotage. And it was always 13, like stuck at 13. And so it's this interesting thing where what happens is we'll have subconscious strategies that will happen to sabotage us breaking through that level if we don't become conscious of them. So for people listening, they can go and kind of look at their history of money and wealth and see pretty interesting patterns where like, I always get stuck at $2,000 or I'll build up my savings to five and then some catastrophic thing will happen and wipe it all out and then I start all over again. And so I totally, yes, I've seen that time and time again. So breaking through, I'd say again, the number one thing is to start to raise your consciousness around around those patterns is the very first step the most important step because anything that's unconscious runs our life and we think that it's fate but it's our unconscious fears drivers motivations insecurities showing up to help us shift through it so to do that you know your subconscious kind of being can handle 10% shifts without noticing. So what I do for people is I teach them to set up an automatic savings account. I call it my money magnet account. So they set it up. It's 10% of their income. Every month they want to save 10%. So it's an auto debit every week. And then every quarter you increase it by 10%. And what happens is that this signals to the universe that you're organized around money and more money will come your way. And then you start to feed yourself the story I'm responsible with money. Like I'm actually responsible. And then you'll notice that you don't even notice the budget shift of losing that amount of income. And then you get to see it piling up in your bank account and you're like, Oh cool. I'm actually saving money. And you don't want to touch it. You just go, that money is my money magnet account. It's going to bring more money to me. It's going to signal that I'm responsible. And then you can keep up leveling it. And you'll, and this is how I started. And I started noticing like all of a sudden I'd get more money. And then these doors of opportunity would open. And I was just, like this. It's like magic. It's really wild, <laughs> but it, it was strategic. So strategic magic, we'll call it. We've gone through quite a few exercises that they may be one-time exercises. I don't know if they're habitual exercises, but you're all about habits and you're about performance. So are these habits that we should do every single day or some type of frequency? And if so, how often? If these aren't those types of habits, do you have any habits that we should perform every single day? You know, the cool thing is at the beginning, when you're learning a new habit, it's important to practice it regularly so that it can become an automatic habit. So for new people who are like new to wealth building world and they go, okay, first you want to start to really think about that story of who wealthy people are. And you'll notice as you raise your wealth and you shift your thermostat, you'll have to, you'll combat new beliefs. 
you know, so at this lower level, you have a certain belief system and then you go, you start to make more money and you go, oh, now I'm noticing my beliefs about wealthy people is this. And so you want to keep revisiting that as you grow intermittently. I like to do the automatic savings, the money magnet account every quarter. So I think it's really important to look at your wealth every quarter. So look at what your net worth is and you could revisit the wealth question at that time. And, you know, you just want to constantly be in communication with your relationship to wealth. Because imagine like if I'm in a relationship with you, Dre, and I'm like, hey, let's see each other once every six months. You know, you're gonna be like, well, how are we supposed to actually connect? <laughs> so yeah. it's the same thing with money. You know, you want to be on a very consistent relationship with it. And so some of them are going to be daily habits. Some of them are more, let's say, intensive at the beginning until you establish it as an automatic habit. Gotcha. So that'd be my best answer there for now. Awesome. 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 Okay. Well, Dr. B, we have one more. I just want to get us one more money habit and we're going to get to the last and final round. So if you have one more money habit for us, I want you to hit us with this one, something that we can start doing today and we can literally like be broken free of some of these blocks that we have. Because again, I know that for a lot of us, it's not the mechanics of what we're doing. It's not how we're performing in our business, but it's these money blocks and these money habits that we're just either we're not cognizant of or we're not practicing enough of us things that get us in the right mindset to be open and receiving. A really powerful one. And we kind of hit on it before, but I will be really specific about it here. If you write down, this one's really fun. It's funny because I think of 50 that I wanted to share, but let's do this one. And it's related to serving other people. So I want people, because most people have debt and a lot of people run the belief, oh, I got to pay off all my debt before I start saving. And the truth is the problem with that is most people, 95% of people will pay their debt but they never get out of debt. So then they never start saving. And then you're 50, 60, 70, you're like, oh crap, I never started saving. So start the saving habit immediately. But in your debt, look at your debt and rename it. You know, rename it if it's like student loans. Like I have $150,000 of student loan debt and I look at that as like, a blessing because it helps me finish grad school, pay for my kids, you know, fund certain coaching programs. And I visualize all the time. I'm paying that off. No problem. I don't even worry about it. It just helps me get where I want to go. And so in that, I've done this cool exercise where you look at, okay, $150,000. What's my hourly rate of income? It could be anywhere. Let's say you're making $10 all the way up to thousands of dollars an hour, depending on where you're at. Then break that down by how many people you need to serve to pay back that debt. So first rename it like opportunity fund, you know, like my student loan was an opportunity fund. And then I need to serve this many clients in order to pay that debt back. So then my being is focused on service instead of debt. And so what you focus on expands. So then I bring more clients to me to help me pay that instead of being resentful and angry that I have a quote unquote debt that most people dislike. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? This one's so, you know, it's funny. So, you know, you sent me some questions and I was like, or, and I was listening to your podcast and I was hearing you ask that. I'm like, oh, I read a book a week and I love reading. So it's nearly impossible for me to say favorite, but I'll give everyone a money book that was absolutely transformative. And it is Think and Grow Rich. Oh, I didn't and even I, notice the book. Okay. So guys, really quick. There is like a number of books behind Amanda. Like all we see is like a bookshelf full of like some of the most amazing books in the world. So, okay. So think and grow rich. I didn't mean to interrupt. 
Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I have thousands of books. Like I love books. They're huge value for me. So Think and Grow Rich, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard of it, maybe not, but this book is one of those canonical books that's foundational in thinking about how to think about wealth. I implemented every single thing in there and it's worked. So do it. It is phenomenal. So Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I'd say if if you want a money book, start there. It's incredible and life altering. That is awesome. I'm going to slightly alter this next question because I want to find a a good habit app. So what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. And again, let's gear it towards habit based apps. I don't know if you have something in that arena. Yeah, you know, I would say for the people listening that this is an interesting one, something that massively shifted my habits in terms of raising consciousness about my money was a money tracking app. And I'm not going to give a specific one because there's so many different styles that people could work with. They're simple, but literally tracking every single penny you spend for six months will change your life. And just do it religiously, do it daily, do it every penny. I don't care if you spend 25 cents somewhere, write it down in the app. And then you start to track it and you go, oh, I'm spending this much money on Starbucks. Is that actually that important to me? Or could I reallocate $100 a month into this investment account where that money can actually make me money over my life course instead of spending it at Starbucks? Maybe it's okay. But maybe Starbucks brings you great joy and you're like, awesome, I'm totally okay with that. But at least you're conscious of what you're doing. So start with a money, a tracking app. Love it. Love it. Love it. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I love my life. (laughs) (laughs) I really, you know, I, one of the questions I ask myself every day is, am I in fear or flow? And on the days where I'm feeling stuck and kind of tight in my body and just maybe not happy or not like the word happy, inspired to be in action to serve and coach and do the things I love. Like I'll ask in my inferior flow. And for me, honestly, generally it will be a money block. It'll be a fear about money. And so I ask that question and I just go like, okay, then how do I design my life for joy? and impact you know it's like i just i ask myself that every day so it's like everything i'm doing i'm working to be present in the moment and i really align my day by my values system and i go what are my highest priority actions that are going to help me fulfill my calling in this world so you know on the weekends i'm pretty good at i very rarely well i can't I typically have rituals around hanging out with just family and not doing work, you know, then I'm during the week. I am like my kids, my family know like Amanda's into business. That's what she's doing. And she works her buns off and she enjoys it. So I do that, you know, so my lifestyle really gets designed around joy and service, but not service in this altruistic way of not being paid. Like I want to be a multimillionaire. So I serve with all my heart and I get paid well to do it. And I love that. Beautiful, beautiful. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? I would say dropping my limiting beliefs was probably the biggest challenge, you know, and being willing to let go of everything, everyone, all those beliefs. Like I've changed. Do you mind sharing one, one of your biggest limiting beliefs at the time that you had to drop? Yeah that I'm forever going to be stuck. Like it was this feeling of like, I'm not good and I'm not worthy. Really. It was, I'm not, it came down to the core of I'm not worthy of being rich. So what were some of the exercises that you did to get yourself out of that limiting belief? 
I would say mindset work. Anyone who's listening do mindset work. For me, it was a journey of learning about how I was operating in relationships in a codependent way, devaluing myself in comparison to others, mindset being really stuck in victim mode, thinking that I was powerless. You know, it's hard to pinpoint like one exact thing because I just took it all on. I was like, I am sick and tired of feeling like this and watching all these other people do the things they want to do. And I know I'm powerful somewhere in there because I see it in certain areas of my life. So how am I going to now turn that power into creating my life the way I want to create it? Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? You know, I feel very fortunate to have run across there. My main mentor, his name is Dr. John Demartini, and he, I have a few different types of certifications from him. And when I'm talking about values, I'm certified in values. So this is the study of axiology, meaning and worth and, and what we value in life and not the traditional sense of like moralistic values, but like, what is it that drives you? What's your chief aim? What were you put here to do? And I think every single person needs to go through that. So that mentorship and shifting my values toward wealth building and understanding what makes me thrive and and feel alive and get up on a daily basis and just go like, yes, I'm so psyched that I was born and that I connect with these certain people, like being on this call with you, you know, I'm just like, I love that I, whatever I've done in my life has led me to this exact moment where like we get to share our wealth of knowledge with other people. Awesome. Yeah. So, so John Demartini, he's, Either people think he's totally crazy or they are like, yes, he's amazing. He studies human consciousness and evolution. And to me, that's my quest in life is really understanding the the evolution of human consciousness and how to help people really become one with themselves and the universe. That is awesome. Awesome stuff. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? That's such a big question. And I love it. Honestly, I I think it has to do with the self-love piece. I think that we're born to thrive, but we have all these masks and experience. We have experiences that cause us to be masked. And in that mask, we hide from ourselves. We hide from other people. We hide from society because we're told what we are supposed to be. And in the movies, by our parents, by religion, by teachers, you know, on and on and on, we're told you should be this way, you should be that way. And so we build up this identity of shame and fear and self-doubt. And as we can drop those and be fully expressed, that's really when you get to do what you were put here to do. And so... Yeah, I think that it's overwhelmingly, it's people telling themselves that they should be a certain way and that they can't be who they want to be. I think that's probably the most limiting belief system that operates widely. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Amanda Barrientes. And this has been simply amazing. This is one for the books. If the listeners want to reach out to you, learn a little bit more about you, find out a little bit more about what you do, how can they find you and connect with you? Okay. Yep. The easiest way, if you go to NFA, no fucking around coaching.com. And I'm about to launch a new course, which I'm super excited about called NFA Money Magnet Habits. So a lot of what we've talked about today will be in that course along with, I mean, it's, I've had so many people ask me to create it because they've been inspired by what I've been able to create and how I've helped them. And so it's time. It's going to be phenomenal. And, And really the reason it's phenomenal is because when you transform your financial reality, you have the power to create whatever impact you want in the world. And I think that's really important. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. And the links to everything that we've discussed today will be in the show notes. So thank you so much for the value that you've provided to me and the listeners. And hopefully we'll talk to you very, very soon. Thank you so much for having me here. It was an honor.